media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. You may be seated. I'm going to ask the the panel to come on up. And uh, we don't have enough microphones for every single person. You're going to pass that around just as we passed around the little stomach virus on the trip. So... Uh, for those that did not know, we went to uh, Utah a couple of weeks ago and a trip that was planned out. And, and when I'm talking about the planning of the trip, let me stop right there. Sherry Grant and Jeff, but Sherry Grant, who is a person of great detail and uh, probably one of the most uh, just from start to finish, just everything. Now, you didn't plan the, the stomach virus, but besides that, everything else was just wonderful. She did an amazing job. And uh, we were able to work with, again, Pioneer Community Church. It's a church plant that's been out there. Barry and Jennifer have been there for now going on seven years. And why that's really important for us to understand is because the ministry that they have with the LDS, you probably know them as Mormons. They prefer the term LDS. They're kind of shunning away from the term Mormon and Mormonism. But uh, they're working in the midst of that. We're talking about 95% of the population there is affiliated. Uh, in Eagle Mountain, where we went, there's three Christian churches. And the really big Christian church that's there is probably about 125 people. Uh, Pioneer runs, they'll run today anywhere from 25 to about 40. And so uh, that, that's the work that's out there. In fact, in one place uh, we went... Uh, Barry, the pastor, was able to point. And he said, in that direction, if you go 500 miles, there's not another Christian church until another 500 miles. So it's really kind of different. And in fact, some of the questions that we're going to have this morning is, is you know, just that shock that, you know, what surprised you the most? Uh, myself and a couple of the elders, uh, Jeff, uh, went out there two months ago to kind of get the, the groundwork of the trip going. And I came away shocked. I knew some LDS theology. I knew our differences. I knew those kind of things. I was not pre- prepared to see how organized they are, how just community after community, uh, there's a 100 houses in that neighborhood and a ward, that's their church, on this side and that side. They're told when to go to church, what church to go to. And uh, on Sunday morning, 95 out of 100 of those homes will head off to church that morning and it's really kind of that amazed me. I just could not believe that it was so prolific there. So today we want to share with you uh, our main purpose of going out there was to minister to the community, to encourage the church, Pioneer Community Church, but also to uh, to do a VBS. That was kind of our main focus and working with some kids there and God bless there. But I want to start off with this question. Um, and, and it's open form, so, you know, we'll take one or two answers and uh, for each one. But would anybody like to share what your biggest surprise was that you had when you saw these neighborhoods? I mean, they're even kind of, some of them laid out kind of in a square. If you notice right in the middle of that, there's a, a white kind of steeple. It's kind of hard to see. Um, we went to one place and where we were doing a prayer walk, and we were looking over a pretty big community, and what do we count it, 12? 12 different steeples. Now, you didn't see any other churches. In fact, when you just ride around, you don't see any other churches. Even the church that we're with, they don't have a sign out front because they meet in a dance studio. And so they rent that out for Sunday. And so you're just not going to see 
You're certainly not going to see a Baptist church. You're not going to see a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church. But you're going to see all these steeples all over the landscape. And each one of those are a ward where they, the, the LDS will go to church on Sunday. So anybody just, you know, what you thought and as we prepared your hearts and then what you saw. Not all at once. Because confusing if everybody tries to go at the same time. Bye. And it can be very simple. It can be a simple thought. It can be. Uh, it's more so that there's, there's so many out there. I mean, if you're driving down the road, you look to the left, there's like two or three wards. You look to the right, there's a couple more. And I mean, and even the subdivisions connect to, to the wards, so you can just drive right to it. They make it, I mean, it's a really cool, interesting setup. It's, it's convenient for sure, but it's crazy how many there are. Yeah. Well, like Matt said, it was it was interesting. It was kind of impressive. I mean, everything's the exact same. All the houses are built the same. All the wards look the same. So it's like all really uniform. And it's like how we have cul-de-sacs here. They don't really have that. They have the it's like an entrance, and it goes right to a ward. So it's like you go down a street, ward. You take another left, you go to another street, another ward. So it's like it's like you just have a little block, and in the middle is a ward. So everything was just really, really uniform and really, really laid out in the in a certain way, so that you're you don't miss it. It's always there. You look, you go outside in the morning, you see mountain, and oh, below the mountain is another white steeple. So it's like they make it really hard for you to miss it and not be a part of it. So if you're not LDS or Mormon, you're always surrounded by it. So you're still being influenced. It's their entire cultures, their entire like peoples, their city, it's everything they base their life around. So they just make it how it's always around you. As you would know, uh, many of you may know in Salt Lake City, the two major um, uh, TV stations are owned by the LDS Church. The major new- newspaper is L- owned by the LDS Church. It really is. It, you know, they grow up LDS, and it's one of that's the only thing that's kind of familiar with them. And they think where we have a shock of going there, going, "Wow, it's almost like we just entered into a a, a bubble or something, like a a back Hollywood lot or something, where this is the Truman Show or something." You 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 kind of look at that. They think the rest of the world is like that. Some of the people that have left the LDS Church that have come to Christ uh, said, "You know, we thought growing up this is how everybody lived," and so that's kind of you know just kind of that impact there. Any other thoughts there? I was just you're surprised. The biggest thing that surprised you, maybe from a, a, a parental kind of an, an adult thing, um, was there anything you know? As you think about, you know, these kids are seeing it, but then you're seeing it through the eyes of a of a parent, as an educator. As you know, did that? How did that kind of hit you, Debbie? I could talk for a very long time, um, but I won't. Is this working? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I said I could talk for a very long time, and I'll try to keep it short. Um, so one of the other pieces is that there is a seminary attached to every public school. So they go to class, at least one class a day is about seminary. Um, and I try to narrow it down to, the, to a few of the things that blew my mind, but one of them was um, after reading more about the Book of Mormon and understanding um, the historical piece of that, what they were what they believe happened in the Americas, uh, asked one of the former um, LDS individuals who's now um, converted to Christianity. I said, so when you go to history class, do they teach this history in class? 
because we would not learn that whatsoever. And um, she said, no, uh, but when you walk across the street at once, uh, once a day to seminary, you learn it there. Um, so uh, there's a clear divide or understanding that that's not a part of our typical understood history, but we teach it as a part of Mormonism. Um, and then I guess also to speaking with those new Christians who seeing their minds blown a little bit by um, one of them is thinking about coming out to the um, East Coast and doing some um, a testi- giving her testimony, which was super powerful. If I had to say that anything was impactful, it would be the testimonies of those new Christians. But she said, so are there churches everywhere? Like we have wards here. Yeah, pretty much, you know, but there's, there may be different denominations, but she just didn't know that. She's never really experienced that. So, um, that shows how their mind is blown by the thought of what we have here in comparison to what they have there. Which sounds like in this day and time that you're going, okay, these people, do they truly live in just in a bubble and they don't get on the internet? They don't see TV. They don't see other things. No, they're aware of that. They're just thinking that everybody lives like they do. And that was one of the predominant things that we kept on hearing is that when you've been raised in that, that it's just unfamiliar for them. They really don't see any other churches except for the LDS wards. I mean, we drove for miles and miles and miles. We drove for an hour and we never passed another church that was not LDS. So it's one of those things when you have the church, you have the establishment, you have the community that's 95% LDS. And then you have a true seminary. I mean, they have a learning center uh, that's attached to every middle and high school. You know, something that we would say here, well, that's, you know, separation of church and state. You know, are we even allowed? We wouldn't be allowed that here. And yet it's in every high school and every middle school there. There is a building that's called their seminary, and that's where they learn um, pretty much LDS doctrine and history and uh, uh, not Bible so much as uh, just LDS history and doctrine. So that's one of the biggest shockers I think that most of us have is just how predominant that was. Uh, as I said, one of the things that we did was go out there and uh, uh, prepare and conduct a VBS. If you can show that next slide. Okay, next one after that. Okay. Uh, this was one of the team meetings, uh, Organized Chaos. And uh, again, guys, thank you for investing prayers, time, money into these, this group. Um, you got a great return on your investment. I promise you, you did. Uh, we didn't have conflict. We didn't have fights. We didn't have, we had a lot of giggles. Um, from <laughs> from certain times, we we just they played together good, they studied together good, they prepared good, and I think one of the things that that I walked away with after forty years of ministry, uh, truly one of the best groups I've ever been able to work with, of how God just had put this group together, and I could not be more proud of them. We did a VBS at a local park because again we're not working with a church that has a campus. And so we had to go out to one of the local parks and set up uh, the most amazing park that you've ever been to. See, one of the things about LDS that's why it's kind of really a set thing in the mind is it's predominantly there, 95% of the population. They're very successful. They're very moral. They have really good homes and good daddies and good husbands and they... Things are really going good. They don't have a lot of reasons from a earthly sense 
to question, you know, is this the right way to think? Is this the right religion? Is this the right, you know, doctrine for me? Because they are very, very successful. The homes out there, you know, six and six hundred thousand to million dollar homes are just kind of the typical. These are the neighborhoods. These are the parks. I mean, they really. We did not see. Do y'all remember seeing any? Um, I'm trying to think of a, a polite term of just you know uh, a needy area whatsoever when we're out there. And we traveled from the airport there all around. I mean, hundreds of miles of travel, and never once did we see something that would be very typical of seeing in, in our area. So this was the uh, the place that we went. Um, and we began to work with the kids. Can we show that next slide? We had recreation. We had Bible time, crafts. We had all those kind of things. Uh, some of you, share. What was your favorite memory of working with the children in VBS? Um, so I think my favorite memory was, so every day we had a memory verse that the kids could memorize and then their name would be put in a fishbowl to earn another prize if they could memorize it. And, um, you know, usually when like kids memorize stuff, you just expect them to like memorize it for like five minutes. They say their verse and then they like throw it out of their brains. Um, but so on the last day, Paul the koala asked, um, if anybody wanted to come up and... Only Jeff would dress up as a koala in 100-degree weather. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. I'm and, sorry. No, you're good. And so um, he asked, you know, does anybody want to come up and, and share the, one of the memory verses that they learned? And for, there was, like, crickets. And, like, nobody came up for a second. And then, you know, one kid went up and, and said one of the memory verses, and then everybody, like, cheered. And then all the other kids were like... Oh, okay. And so, like, kid after kid after kid after kid would get up and um, share the memory verse, one of the memory verses that they memorized. And I would just have, like, goosebumps. Because, like, these kids that are, we know they're LDS, are, they have scripture from Jesus of the Bible in their hearts and in their minds. And they're bringing it back home to their parents. So I think that was my favorite memory. Because a lot of the LDS families will have a uh, a Bible in their home. Um, from what we're told, uh, again, we're not here to cast dispersion or, and despair upon that. We just want to see what we knew and and we're able to attain when we're out there. They don't use the Bible a lot. They don't have a preacher. They have lay people that speak. They speak very moralistically, and that's what, they're very moral folks. But they really do not do Bible study. If anything, they're going to get into the Book of Mormon and some other things. And so for, uh, you know, Roy, isn't it cool when we think of what God has promised? Not what we did, but God said that his word will not return void. This is our promise, guys. This is our hope. Not that we made some kind of impression in our five days out there, you know, our five days working with them, but that God has promised, hey, you put the word of God in your heart, it's not going to come back void. And this is our hope. Somebody else, some of your memories. Anna? Um, I guess my favorite memory would be on the last day where we had a water balloon fight. We did all these different things. Specific kids would team up on one of the helpers because they just spent so much time with that kid. They That kid really wanted to just say, this is my favorite, so I'm going to pelt them with water balloons. <laughs> and so you kind of got to see which kids 
were like affected by who and some kids even brought us um packs of gum with words saying thank you and that right there Evan brought gum for everybody <laughs> at the last day. And so it was really cool to just see how we affected them and how they actually took something from us and they liked us that much. What Anna's not telling you about that water balloon flag fight is that Anna herself came after the pastor. <laughs> and uh, we have that on video. We actually have that gonna, on video. So we have evidence that, that it's a little bit more nefarious than what she uh, kind of let on there a little bit. Something else. Some of your impressions of working with those uh, kids. We had uh, about 35, 36 kids, which is their biggest vacation Bible school that they've ever had. For us, that sounds like a smaller number. For out there, it is an amazing number. And uh, Pioneer Community Church could not have been more pleased with the number of kids. Uh, And then the next Sunday, a couple families came to visit the church, which is unheard of out there. It just doesn't happen. And so some other thoughts. So, the kids, like, they would not be shy around you. Like, you would think, like, a typical five-year-old, like, you would look at them and they would, like, be like, hi. But, like, they would literally come up to you and, like, jump on your back, come, like, ask them to go dance with you to the VBS songs. And, like, me and Anna, we were in charge of the crafts and science section. And, like, the last day we did cameras, and they would just come up to you and, like, take your picture 24-7. And it was, like, the cutest thing ever. And I miss it so much, but it was great. Anyone else? I, w- I want to add my favorite memory real quick is at the very end uh, when we handed out Bibles to all the children that were age appropriate to each child. Uh, one of my kiddos that was in my group that I led around, he uh, went up um, to us and I think asked Anna, could you show me how to find my Bible verses that I memorized this week? I want to read the whole thing. Um, so... That was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 We had several moments where events like that would happen. We're going, okay, trip made. We can go home now. <laughs> that just God, you know, showed up. Just the Holy Spirit of God and his kindness and his grace took our little bit of efforts and our confusion and used those for his might and his glory. And we'll never know which of those little kids are going to grow up to be mommies and daddies that raise a home based on the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ. We, we don't know. And yet, God said, some are going to water and some are plant and water. God's going to make the growth. And so he allowed us to participate in a small way. And yet, it's going to be amazing when we get to eternity one day and see what happened. Uh, just from all the, the little things that we thought, that kid never paid attention. Maybe that kid's going to grow up to be the next Billy Graham. You just don't know with the grace of God, the sovereignty of God working in those lives. Well, guys, one of the things that uh, I've just bragged about time and time again um, on you is we visit a church that had to set up for, they have to set up every Sunday morning for their services, take down. For our VBS out of that park, we had to set up every day. We're talking about TV speakers. We're talking about all the supplies, everything. Uh, A good 15, 20 minutes every single day in the hot uh, sun. And these kids never complained. They were always, you didn't even have to, I, I know you're going to say, my kid did, did that? But we never had to sit there and go, come over here and help us. They were always at the back of the trailer, ready to carry things, ready to do it. Um, what did you take away that sometimes, anyway, we're just a small little church here, okay? What did you take away 
maybe that we take for granted of having a campus and even a small building and we can set something up. We don't, nobody had to get here early this morning and put out chairs. This and that. What does that give you a heart for? What do you take away from that? That, uh, that there's a lot of church plants out there all over, uh, the nations that, uh, don't, don't have even the facilities that we have. Anything you take away from that? Um, I remember, so when we helped them set up for church, they have like the trailer full of stuff and we're bringing it all out and we're putting it up and everything. We're helping we, them like move things in these different rooms and set everything up. Um, and to me, it was just because they put like all of us to work. Uh, almost all of us were always doing something. We were helping them move things. We were helping them set something up. And, it, and you know, like we got there early, but... I just, to me, thinking about how they did that all on their own, because we're a big group. Um, and so not to have all of these people coming and helping every week um, and for them to be doing that on their own, it's just they have such a dedication to it, I guess. Um, it was just very impressive to me because we were all working, um, and they have to do that um, by themselves every single Sunday, except for when other mission teams come out. Yeah, and Tori, they have to do that in the 100-degree weathers of the summer and the negative 5-degree winters. I mean, there's been times they've gone to get the trailer, and it was under 3 foot of snow, and they have to dig out the trailer just to take that to the dance studio to set up. So you're right. Anybody else? You know, what, what do you think either that we take for granted or that you came back with an appreciation of? Or just that impression of, like, you, like towards the, the dedication level that it takes just to, they're just not coming into a comfortable setting, sitting down, going to church, and then leaving. Each one had kind of different assignments and jobs. What do you think about that? Any other thoughts? I'd probably say, like, the time it took. So, like, it took, oh, my goodness. Uh, so it took us with, a, well, we had, like, 16 there plus our five or six. So there's probably 21, 22 of us. And it took us about 45 minutes to an hour to set up their entire church. But if it's just six of them, they probably have to get there another, like, 30, 45 minutes early because they have to set out all the chairs. Even if only five people show up, they still have to set up 40, 50 chairs in hopes that some more people will show up. I mean, it's a dance studio, so there's three big rooms. They transform all the rooms into, like, their, like our, our place here. They put up three or four TVs, put up banners, they put up chairs, they uh, get coffee and donuts for everybody. Then their kids' room, they bring in TVs, they bring in toys, they bring in lessons. So, like, they just take so much time to do all that. But with only six or seven of them, it probably takes, like, an hour, hour and a half. Because it took us, like, all 20 of us, an hour and, like, 40, hour to 45 minutes to do it. So, I mean, I can't even imagine how long it would took just all of them to do it by themselves. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess what hit me was that um, probably how much encouragement they need. How on those Sundays where they set up 40 chairs and maybe 10 come total, um, how, and they've been there seven years, just really trudging through. Um, and they do have, um, you know, former LDS who have converted to Christianity who are now singing in front of the whole, you know, congregation. Um, that's pretty powerful, but, um, I know that they have to, need continual encouragement from other sin churches um, so to keep going and it's needed they have i mean someone has to keep going in that area yeah if you ever talk to their pastor or pastor's wife 
get their vision, uh, they make it very clear that, you know, yes, we know that God can save in the moment. God can touch a heart and uh, bring a conversion of life in, in a moment. But they realize that a lot of their ministry is a five, six, or seven-year uh, ministry with people. They have many that are attending their church now that they've kind of had a relationship with for a year, year and a half. Uh, one person sat outside uh, in the just the outside of the house, uh, the Bible study, never came into the Bible study for a year and a half before finally coming in and then didn't say anything and has recently trusted Christ as her Lord and Savior. So, you know, God is working in tremendous, tremendous ways. But it's not like a lot of things that we see where, okay, let me share the gospel with you. And we kind of maybe expect immediate results. And there it is an investment of time and energy and love um, and just the hope of the gospel over many, many years to see that. Um, well, we, while we were there, we did some uh, uh, traveling around to the Temple Square. If we can go into that next one. Uh, we'll just hang out at that one right there. At the base of that, I, I hate that I cut it off. At the uh, base of that, uh, who's that a statue of? Okay. Looks like Jesus, right? Yeah. And at the, uh, at the bottom it says, come unto me. If you do not know uh, kind of the, the, some of the doctrine that they have, you would think that you very much are in a Christian setting. Uh, and our tramp out there earlier with the elders we went into a Christian bookstore, and if you're familiar with Lifeway, we, you thought you were in a Lifeway, except for certain things that would stand out. Uh, LDS will use terms like grace. They will say that they are saved by uh, the death of Jesus Christ. They'll say that they are saved by grace. They'll say a lot of terminology that is very familiar to us, that is part of our terminology when we talk about our beliefs, and yet it means something else to them. And so that's where you have to really get down, okay, who is your Jesus? And uh, they do believe that Jesus is, um, uh, for the longest time, they did not believe in the virgin birth. The founders uh, did not believe in that. They were anim- uh, against it. And it's only back in, the, I think, the 1940s that they changed their doctrine and said, oh, yeah, we kind of do think that Jesus now was uh, a virginal birth, even though it was different from what we would say. Uh, so a lot of doctrinal differences like that, but it all comes down to who is your Jesus. They do believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers, and uh, kind of a good one and a bad one, you know, and just uh, uh, not the eternal kind of uh, uh, existence of Christ that we would believe. And so there are some differences, and it's really easy to focus, guys, on celestial marriages and the baptism of the dead, those are kind of, we're going, okay, where is that in the Bible? It's easy to kind of pick apart some of the things that they do and say how strange that is. But it all comes down, who is your Jesus? You know, is it the Jesus of the Bible? So that's one of the ways that we can really pray for them. Uh, we went to Temple Square. The kids that are, I say the kids, the missionary uh, kids that are there, they do two years of service. You have to respect that. Um, kind joyful I mean they just sincere would you say that sincere is a word that would capture them Um, what was your impression of the teenagers that are doing mission as you met them as you talked with them as we traveled around to uh, uh, you know where the Mormon Tabernacle Choir meets and the, the convention center and that 
what was your impression? Kind of what were you left with as you met them? Oh, these are weird people? Or what was your impression there? Uh, they were very genuine. I mean, they just were there to talk to you and answer all your questions. And they really, like you could tell that they believed that they were doing the right thing, that they were doing a great service to their church. And it was, I mean, it was kind of cool. I mean, if we had that dedication, I mean, where would Christianity be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How am I supposed to hold it? <laughs> like this? So, but for me, it was like, a, like we said a lot in sports, like all the people there, even if they weren't, they seemed very bought in. They were like, they believed it fully and truly, and they always were happy. They were always smiling. Some of those joyful people I've ever met, they're just normal people also. They're no, no one's strange. They're all just like normal 18, 19-year-old girls or boys that were just there. I mean, they were genuinely just normal, happy, joyful people. They truly believed it with their whole heart. I mean, and, I mean, they were dedicated, like Bobby said. It's a year, year and a half. You're with a person in a room, like no contact. You can't go see – you can't talk to your families except once every six months on like a 20-minute phone call. So, I mean, they, they truly were dedicated and believed it, and it was – really interesting to see like what they thought and like what they had to say and they were just there like for to not to force you either so like they have tourists coming all the time they weren't there to force you to switch to LDS they were there just to inform just ask how your day's going just had a uh, general small talk that to, in hopes that someone would ask a more deep question and that they can go into it but, I mean they were truly just normal average people who loved what they were thought was the truth yeah yeah Anna um so I walked up to one of the missionaries asking about this picture of the tree of life, and she didn't give me a direct explanation. She tried to reference the Book of Mormon, but did not know which. She knew the book, but she did not know which section it was in. She couldn't give me a full description. She kind of was vague. She, I kind of felt that the missionaries were, they were really genuine about what they what they had and what they learned in their LDS culture, but that they were expecting that they were going to get more knowledge from this mission, that they were going to learn all the answers that they still hadn't known. And so they were pretty vague. They wouldn't go into detail about a lot of stuff. They would say, oh, well, what my previous, um, the previous missionary I was with said this, or I believe this, or I think this. They couldn't reference anything like we can with, God and the Bible. So, Anna, would you say that um, sincere, 100% informed of certain things, but as far as when you asked maybe a more specific question and it got into a deeper part of the theology or a doctrine thing, there was a little bit more um, ambiguity. There was a little bit more of just they didn't either didn't know or didn't want to discuss it past that. And that's one thing that we found was the dedication level was, you know, the tops, the sincerity, the tops, morality, the tops. And yet it's a surface level, an understanding of Mormon doctrine and not so much biblical doctrine. And so that's kind of the big differentiation there. Any other ones? And then I'm going to come to probably the most important question of the day. Yes. Uh, Honestly, seeing them there, I kind of just felt bad for them too. Because if, like, one of them loved the sport, like absolutely loved it, and they had to go on their mission for two years, they couldn't do anything with that sport. Like, uh, one of the ladies there had given her testimony, she talked about one of the missionaries. I think it was like a girl. 
She was like Sweden, Bosnia. She was just somewhere. She did like tumbling and something. And um, she, it was like 45 minutes down the road, like this Olympic tumbling thing. And she could not go. And she, the lady there, she, she said uh, she, that she was really sad about it. And then that she could not do something that she loved for the two years. And then she probably couldn't do it after even with it being 45 minutes away. So honestly, I just kind of felt bad for them yeah. too. So we see this incredible sacrifice of really giving up something. I mean, on an Olympic level, she could perform on an Olympic level, goes on her missionary uh, mission and gives that up. And, uh, and so it creates both a respect for their level of dedication, but also a sorrow because you see, okay, wow, you know, her life has kind of changed in that area of something that she was pretty passionate about. And so in one way, you come away with this awesome respect that they were willing to do that. On another way, you did kind of feel like, okay, you're told to do this, you're told to do that, and, and so there wasn't a lot of options there. Uh, I'm going to end with this. It's probably, the, to me, the most important part, and this is the, the slide that we really need for this. Uh, anything, do you notice anything on that? This is the museum, the Mormon LDS uh, Museum. Uh, they're very open. They have videos done as well as any museum I've ever seen in my life. I mean, first class, everything just first class, uh, very interactive. Do you notice anything in this? It's actually a picture of uh, Joseph Smith receiving a revelation that he said that he had. Do you notice anything in there that just kind of strikes you? A new scripture. Uh, this is the Book of Mormon. This is how the Book of Mormon came about. It's a new scripture. As a pastor, uh, that's probably the most troubling thing to me. It's one of those that uh, all of a sudden, uh, the, the Bible's pretty defined about don't add to, don't take away. This is the final revelation. God's not adding different chapters and different things uh, to it. He's already given us the sufficient word of God. And so this is one of the biggest differences that we would have. A lot of their doctrine and a lot of their beliefs are going to be found in the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price. Uh, another book called Doc Doctrines and Covenants. And so, and the biggest thing is that they have a leader. Um, if you're from a Catholic background, it'd be similar to like a pope, where you really do believe that that person has a direct connection with God. They call it the prophet. And the prophet, Joseph Smith, was the first one, Brigham Young, and now it's gone through. And uh, the prophet hears from God and can change things. And they can change doctrinal things like virgin birth. Um, this is really, really scary, guys, that a person can dictate what's going to be in or what's going to be out. That this was true, but now this is true. Final question for you this morning, guys. Um, how has this experience helped you to see how important it is to have a permanent source of truth, the Bible, that does not change to guide us in our beliefs and our faith? And I have a follow-up question for that. Uh, as you see how often a man, or man, men over time, uh, the prophets, and additions, how they keep on adding to what they call their holy works, so they can keep on adding to that. What is your impression of why? Why is it so important to have a Bible, to be a student of the Bible. Did, did that register, how deeply did that register with you as far as, you know, we begin to see the importance of that truth is truth. 
that truth is not a moving target, that truth is truth, and God's truth is permanent. And so whether you have this person say this or this person say that, any impressions of how that hits your heart? Uh, I mean, it makes you really appreciate just having like a firm foundation because one of the guys that gave a testimony was talking about how a bunch of different stuff came out about Joseph Smith. And it basically crumbled his whole faith and everything that he'd been taught. He was like, I've been lied to. And so it's it shows you that it's important to have a solid foundation, not truth that can just change on a regular basis compared to uh, based on like what a person says. And I would add, I think I had this conversation with Sherry on the long plane ride back um, that I think I took for granted for my whole life, perhaps, having grown up in, in the church that we sing about an unchanging God, we read about an unchanging God. I don't think it really resonated with me how important that attribute of God really is. And um, and then you take that, um, the importance of that, and you, it's really applicable to us here um, as, as Christians because there's lots of uh, entities that would like to change um, our biblical foundation. And so if you really aren't grounded, if you really don't know the truth, um, you know, you've got to be in the Word and you, and you can't get out of it ever. Would you see that you came away going, oh, I have enough Bible in my mind now to, to do for life? Or do you see... I really need to get into the Bible even that much more. I really need to be grounded, not just in the Bible stories, but in good Christian doctrine. And, you know, what does the Bible teach? I mean, more like what uh, Bobby and Matt were saying. Like, for them, they kept, like, as we heard the two missionaries talk that have been then switched over to Christianity talk. And then uh, as we went to Temple Square, they would always say, like, this changed in the Book of Mormon this changed and it seems like they would just change it based on how politics are going or how what was trending at the time they would add stuff in or take stuff away to help broaden their um their views to get more people in and i feel like for me it's like if someone tells you one thing and they keep changing it it's not really a truth anymore like for us like the bible it doesn't change so you don't have to worry about it uh changing to fit this person's views or fit that person's views or this to want to appease this group or that group it's like it really kind of just shows that they don't really know what's going on. They're trying just to change it in any way possible, to bring as many people in, to keep revenue coming into the church, to help like just appease the most people when really it's supposed to be just one solid thing, and then that's supposed to be the truth. And then during one of our devotionals, Rory really said something that helped bring everything into perspective is that like they truly believe this with their whole heart, just like we truly believe the Bible with our whole heart. It's like... Even though that seems something that everyone would know, it's kind of for me it was like it wasn't really put in perspective until it was said out loud, which really like helps show like they are really lost and they really need this help because what they believe in is kind of just changing all the time. It's really like we always hear like uh, build your faith on solid ground, not sand, all that stuff is like for them. They truly did build their faith on sand. It's just it's, it's always slipping away. Something's always changing. Pieces are being taken away. And it really does like put in perspective the trouble that they're in. Because Christianity would never change just to appeal to people and get money in the church, would they? <laughs> Guys, you know, as, as we would discuss, and I say that in a very serious way, man, we, we all do that, guys. This is what religion does. Religion does that. It's built around people rather than a person of Christ. It's built around, you know, how can we do this, that, or the other to appeal rather than this is the gospel. 
And Jesus said, narrows this gate. Why does this gate over here that leads to destruction? You know, the Bible tells us all this. And so here's the final question, guys. And if you learned one thing, you learned a lot. But here's what I hope you really, really, really learned. Does this mean then, uh, based on what we believe as Christians, that you can respectfully question a pastor, leader, when you wonder about a teaching, a sermon, or a study? Thank you. If you take nothing else away, guys, know that every sermon, everything that Jeff teaches you, every teacher that teaches you, it's always within question. If it doesn't line up with the scripture, respectfully, you know, don't be disrespectful, but respectfully go and say, well, here's what the word of God says. It's not about a leader. It's not about a person. It's not about this. It's all about God's truth revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, but not a a uh, person who's the pastor, this, that, and the other. And I hope that that's one of the things that you really take away from this. As you go into, as you wonderfully described, hey, we live in a culture that is always wanting to change things even now about things that the Bible's pretty black and white on. It's pretty straightforward on. And yet we want to make it a, an easier thing to, to kind of polish off into the culture. And that doesn't mean that we have to be... Uh, uh, mean-spirited about it? No, the grace of God saved us, and this is what we share with the world. But if you didn't learn anything else, I hope that you would learn that if I say something, if Jeff says something, or some other person says something, and you're going, that doesn't seem like it lines up with the Bible, that it is your responsibility and it is your um, very much ability to, to go back and say, hey, can, can you tell me what you meant by that? Because this doesn't seem to line up with Scripture. And that's one of the things I think that I hurt the most for so many of those young missionaries is that they were pretty much told, there was a phrase that they used in, in LDS church, oh, just put that on the shelf. That doesn't really matter. Any question that they would have about how does this line up with the, the scripture? Oh, uh, just put that on the shelf. That's not really that important. Guys, if, if Jeff or I or one of the elders or one of the leaders tells you to put that on the shelf, you go tell the other elders, Okay. Because this is not a proper response for us who just want to know the word and show you the word. It's all about Christ. We have everything we need there in this beautiful message of the gospel that we call the Bible. And uh, again, guys, I could not thank you enough for representing the kingdom well, representing uh, your age group well, and representing those who invested you with you at Cornerstone well. Thank you so much for doing that. We're going to end this morning. Sherry put together uh, kind of a a little video that will show us a little bit more, and then we'll be dismissed. I'll I'll close this in prayer after that. But uh, kind of as our conclusion, uh, if you could just give your attention to this video. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.